Merry Christmas, everyone. It's uh, just only a f- less than a week away. Who's excited about Christmas? I am this pumped. Who's excited? Anybody excited about Christmas? Okay, there we go. That's better. Thank you. I, I was thinking I was the only one here today this morning, but I just love Christmas. It's one of those great times of the year where we get together with family and friends. We uh, have special worship services. We, we do special things at this time of the year to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus. And it's a great time of the year as we focus upon the greatest gift that was ever given to us, and that is Jesus the Christ. That's one of the reasons why we give presents this time of the year is so that we remember as we give a present, we remember the greatest present that was given to us, and that is the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. As I come before you here this morning, I have uh, in the fourth advent, I have, today I get the privilege of talking about the love of God. So before we get into our scripture here, uh, let's bow in a word of prayer and seek the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father and gracious God, Lord, we come before you here this morning, and Lord, we thank you that we can come and to gather in this place, Lord, that we could come in peace, that we can come with security, and we know that we can come to gather together in worship. We thank you for that, Father. Father, as we come together here today, as we look into your love, Lord, help us to see it anew. Help us to see your word. Help us to hear your voice, Lord. Father, you love us so dearly and so much. Father, help us to feel your love here during this, especially during this time of Christmas, Lord. Father, As we go through your word here today, Lord, I ask your anointed, your Holy Spirit upon me, Lord, that I will speak your words and not my own. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you have your scriptures with you here today, we're going to be starting out in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, if you have scriptures there, you'd like to turn there. Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 to 9, but we're going to start. We're going to be zipping around a little bit here today. But the first verse I really want to talk about is one that I think almost everybody knows, and we can pretty much say it off by heart, has John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And what I really want to focus on here this morning as we go through this message on love is God so loved the world that He gave. The ultimate expression of God's gift to us is His Son, Jesus. That's what we're going to be celebrating in a few short days from now, Christmas, the birth of Jesus. He gives us His Son. But He didn't just start with Jesus. He started way back at the beginning in creation. So, if you have your scriptures, let's take a look and dive into Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 to 9. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into, into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, I just want to stop there for a bit. Now, think about this for a second. God is creating everything. How does he create everything else? He speaks it into existence. 
light, and there's light. Stars, and the stars are there. The sun, it sends there. The moon, the moon's there. Earth is there. It speaks for the plants to be there. The plants are there. Animals, the animals are there. He could have just spoken us into existence too. But he doesn't. He does something extraordinary. I have a, a book series that I like to read. It's called The Chronicles of the Host. And basically what The Chronicles of the Host is, is the story of creation all the way up to Jesus' death and resurrection from the viewpoint of the holy angels. Obviously, it's a fictional book, but it is really interesting in some of the things that they come up with. And one of the things the author brought forward, which I really enjoyed, was when he talked about the creation of man. And the book describes it this way. There is this glade, and there's trees all around the glade. And the angels know that there's something happening. There's something special going to happen because there's a, God's love it seems just to be concentrated in this area. And so all the holy angels are just gathered around in their trees. They're on top of them. They're peeking through the bushes. They're wanting to see what's going to happen. And soon what they see is the manifestation of God's hands as he pulls the dust of the ground together and he forms man. He lovingly forms man in every inch of him, every part of him. God takes particularly care of who he is making, Adam. He doesn't do that for no reason. He does that because he loves. For God so loved the world that he created us. He gives us life. God created us. He didn't have to do it that way. He could have just spoken and we were there. And then he also does something else that he never, doesn't do for anybody else, and that is he breathes life into man. Everything else he spoke into existence, they were alive. But there's something special about man. There's something special about us. In other parts of Scripture, it says God has made us and knitted us in that secret place in our mother's womb. He has knitted us together. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. No matter what you may think of what you look like, God has made you, and he does not make junk. You are all precious and loved by God. Well, let's continue on here. Let's go to verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Now, think about this for a second too, okay? Um, he just creates everything. Everything's created. Now Adam's here. He's, he's lovely created. But what he does, he has a place called Eden. And in Eden, what he does is he build, he makes a garden. For Adam, for us. He makes a special place. For God so loved us that he makes a place for us. And he actually gave Adam work to do too, didn't he? He gave Adam work. I want you to go name all the animals. And Adam goes out and he starts naming all the animals. And when he's, as he's doing all that, he's noticing something. That every one of them has a pair. They're not alone. They have somebody else with them. And he recognizes that he is alone. I think God did that on purpose. So he would recognize, Adam would recognize, he needs somebody as well, somebody to be with him. 
And God causes Adam to be a deep sleep, of course, and takes the rib out. And the scriptures are pretty much the same. When it talks about how he formed man out of the dust, he says the same thing when he talks about the rib, how he forms, makes woman. He takes the rib out, and he forms woman out of the rib, and presents her to Adam. God doesn't do this, this, oh, okay, he needs help, or boom, here he goes. He takes, some, he takes Adam's rib, and he lovingly, carefully forms this person, a woman for Adam, his helper, his mate, his lifelong companion. He does that because he loves us so much. We're not just spoken into, into existence. We were formed by loving hands of God into existence. And let's keep going. Let's go, let's go to verse 9 here. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The first part of verse 9 I really like. Think about it. God makes a special place, and the trees that grow there are pleasing to see. They're really beautiful. Everything is gorgeous. There's no corruption at this point. There's no thorns. There's no thistles. Everything's beautiful. And the fruit must be absolutely fantastic. He's picking it fresh off the tree and eating it. It's all for Adam and Eve to enjoy. He's created all of this for them to enjoy because he loves us. That would have been great if we would have stopped right there. But he doesn't. He does something that puzzles people a lot, and that is he makes a tree of life. He puts it in the center of the garden, and then he makes a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of death. He puts that there too. So why would a loving God do that? Why would a loving God put those two trees there. I can see the tree of life being in there, sure, that's great, that, that makes full sense to me, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, why? Because God loves us so much that He gives us a choice. He loves us so much that He lets us choose. See, up until now, Adam and Eve could do whatever they wanted. There was nothing that they couldn't do. Nothing was going to go against God's will because God had not told them not to do anything. Not giving them his laws, not giving them anything. They just walked with God and talked with God and, and I'm, I'm sure laughed with God. God has a great sense of humor. You know, and they just do all that. They knew God face to face as you guys are sitting together in the pew and talk together and as you go for walks together, as you get together with family and friends. That's how Adam and Eve, that's the relationship they had with God. They actually saw him face to face. They walked with him. They talked with him. They did all that wonderful stuff. But God loves us so much that he wants us to do that because we want to do that. Not because we have to, because we want to. And to have and to do that because we want to, we have to have a choice. And God so loved the world that He gives us a choice. 
And we all know the story, right? Adam and Eve are there. Eve is, get, is being deceived by, by the serpent. And eventually Eve caves in and eats the fruit. And Adam's right there with her. And, and he, she gives it to him. He eats the fruit. And all of a sudden they re realize that they sinned and something happened. And something terrible has happened. They don't quite know what yet. And, they, and they're scared for the first time in their lives. And they know God so well, they listen and they hear God walking in the, in the garden. And they hide. See, at this point, God, you know, he could have just said, well, fine, you guys sinned, you guys decided to go our own way. So, okay, fine, I'm just going to get rid of you guys. And I've asked, people have asked me this question many times, why didn't you just start over? Why didn't you get John and Harriet? Adam and Eve, well, you guys sinned, you guys are gone, I'll just get John and Harriet and we'll start over again. Because God knows that no matter what, if he creates beings with ability to think for themselves and to choose for themselves, which he does, then eventually they're going to choose to go their own way. And this is not a surprise to God that this happened. We did not surprise God with our actions. He knew exactly what was going to happen, but he creates us anyhow. And then he doesn't just leave us. He now pursues us. Let's take a look at chapter 3, verse 9 in Genesis. And this is what it says. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? God didn't know where Adam and Eve were. Don't think so. I think he knew where they were. They were just behind the bush over there. He knew exactly where they were. So why does God call to them? Because God is pursuing them. Come to me. And of course, we all know the story. Adam comes, Adam and Eve come out, and they, and they say, we, we were naked and we were afraid and we hid from you. And who told you you were naked? And the whole story goes on. And, and, you know, God, and Adam, Adam starts, going, starts defending himself. And really, a lot of people think Adam blames Eve for the fall. Adam doesn't blame Eve. Adam blames God. He says, this woman that you gave me, gave me the fruit, and I ate. And he turns to Eve and says, the serpent tempted me, and I ate. And that's the story, right? I wonder what would have happened if when God called out, where are you? And Adam came out and bowed before the Lord and said, Lord, I have sinned against you. I'm so sorry. I wonder what would have been different. I wonder if it would have, been, it would have made any difference whatsoever. But see, God is calling for us. He's calling out to us, and he pursues us. He could have just left us in our sin. He could have said, fine, you guys want to go in your way, go. And he just leave us. But God so loves the world for God so loves you that he pursues you. Let's continue on with the story in, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 here. This is just after Eve had told God that the serpent had tempted her and she ate and stuff like that. And so this is what the Lord says to the serpent. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. 
He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is the first verse that talks about the Messiah. The promise. For God so loves the world that he gives us hope. Adam and Eve must have been feeling pretty hopeless at this particular point in time. They sinned against God. They were going to be separated from God. And they knew it. They already could feel it. But God gives them hope that one day it will be made right. One day sin will be vanquished. One day you'll have fellowship with God again. And that's whose birthday we celebrate in a few short days. Is Jesus, the Messiah, the one who comes to redeem the world. For God so loved the world that he pursues us. I came to know Christ when I was about hmm, 24 years old. And when I came to know Christ, one of the things that uh, I was asked a lot of from some of my friends, and that was, how could I ever know what God wanted? God is unknowable. How could you ever figure out what God wanted? And, I, and at that particular moment in time, I had read the, pretty much a lot, of this, a lot of the Bible because I was debating with a buddy of mine, and he was a Christian, and I wasn't, and, and uh, I read the Bible so I could trick him up. That's my thinking. Didn't realize God was getting me to read the Bible so that I would kind of get my mind into what God was wanting me to see and what's going on here. But after I came to know Christ, I saw in the scripture that, that God tells us exactly what he wants. In Leviticus and Deuteronomy, God gives us his law. He gives us his law and the Ten Commandments and all this, so we know exactly what God wants us, wants from us. He pursues us to the point, says, you got to know what I want. You got to know about me. You got to know what pleases me, what doesn't please me. And he gives that to us in the scriptures, in the Bible, especially in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, all the the laws, the, and also the sacrificial laws, and cleanliness laws, all the rest of it, you know, and, and they were all done to keep people, he loved his people so much that he wanted them to live the best life they can. That's why all these things were given. God so loves the world that he gave us his law. Why? Well, one was to get to know him, to understand what he wanted. But was the law given so that we, if we kept the law, that if we could keep the law, all the law, that we would be righteous before God, that we would be one with God, that we would be okay with God? Is that what the law was all about? No, don't think so. The law was really given for us to understand that we can't keep the law, that there's no way for us on our own to be able to keep the law of God, that we're going to sin. This is the way it is. Our efforts are always going to fall short. That was the law was given for. If something more is needed. I always like the, uh, the story of Abraham. Abraham is one of those Bible characters that I read and, you know, when, they, when the scriptures call him a righteous man, I have a problem with that. I really do. 
This is a man who God brings into this promised land, shows him all the land that's supposed to be his, has a problem with his nephew Lot, and so what, he, what, what does Abraham do? He gives Lot half the promised land, the best part of it. Doesn't sound really good. And then when Abraham has to leave and go to different places and he comes to different kingdoms, he's so scared because he has a, such a gorgeous wife. Like apparently Sarah was drop dead gorgeous. And he was afraid that if the kings of the realm saw her, they'd want her. And if they wanted, if she knew that she was married, they would kill her husband, which would be him. So he said, she's my sister. How many of you ladies... Married women would like to be known as a sister with your husband. This is, oh, this is my sister. I think that wouldn't go over very well, guys. I'm sure it didn't go over very well for Abraham either. But he doesn't just do it once, he does it twice. And then he goes off because they're getting older and, and they're having problems, they're not having a baby, and the promised child isn't there. And, and Sarah says, yo, sleep with my maidservant Haggai, and he does that. He doesn't trust God that God's going to bring this earth. No, he does this to please his wife. So he gets an heir, Ishmael, which causes all sorts of problems. But he's called a righteous man. Why? His faith. He believed God. He was accredited as a righteous man because he had faith The law is there to show us that it's not what we do, it's where our faith is. The law was there to help us to understand that and to bring us forward in that. And God so loved the world that He gave us His law so we knew we needed Him. We can't do it on our own. We need God. And one other thing I want to go on to a little bit more of here, and that is, for God so loved the world, He gave us a choice whether to follow Him or not. I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but I really want to get into it right here, because this is something so important in our Christian life, that we have a choice. The world has a choice. And I want to take us first to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. So I have your scriptures there. I'm going to zip to, to Joshua 24. Verse 15. Now, this is Joshua speaking in front of all Israel, okay? And this is what he says to them. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you, you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a choice. We have a choice to serve God or to go our way. We have a choice to go the way the world wants us to go or the way God wants us to go. We have a choice at Christmas time. We can celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, which is the birth of our Savior, or we could just celebrate the goodwill towards men and just presents and feasting and food, which is all good. Nothing wrong with that. 
My mom's coming over from Winnipeg, where she's going to have a great time. We're really looking forward to that. We're going to have family. We're going to have lots of food. We've got lots of stuff happening. We're really going to enjoy all that. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But that cannot be the reason we celebrate. The world would like us to think that's the only thing Christmas is all about. But it's way more than that. What are we choosing? Let's go further on into Proverbs. Another choice. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 10. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. We have a choice to follow God's way, the scriptures, or to go the way that everybody thinks is fine in our world today. Let's go, oh, you know, that's old-fashioned. That book was written so long ago, it has no meaning for us today. Oh, yes, it does. It has a lot of meaning for us today. A lot of the things that actually are written in scripture, people are actually starting to find out, doing empirical tests on it, and find out, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Weird, right? God's right. But yeah, God is right. So what is, what's our choice here? Do we choose to follow God and what He says in His words? Like, I love the Word of God. I've read the Word of God many, many times from cover to cover. And there's still parts in the Scripture that I do not understand. I don't know why God has that in there, but He does. And my choice is to believe and to follow the Word of God, even though sometimes I don't understand it. I'm still going to do it because that's what God's word says. For God so loves the world that he gives us his word, his knowledge, his understanding. All we need to do is read and seek him. He gives it to us. Let's go on to some more choices here. In John chapter 7, verse 17, he says this, this is Jesus speaking. If anyone chooses to do God's will, now, I'm just going to stop here. When I read this verse, as I'm preparing for today, I read this verse, I'm thinking, okay, this is the creator. Like, you know, the song we were doing, you know, uh, Mary, did you know I love that song? My wife and I just love that song. He is the creator. He is God in human form. He's come down, he's given up a lot of his deity, but he's still God. And he says to the people, if anyone chooses, we have a choice, and God freely gives us that choice. People ask me, why is there so much evil in the world? Well, the reason there is so much evil in the world is because of choice. People choose. He's not going to go against your choice. He's not going against my choice. If I choose to sin against God, he's going to let me. He's going to let me suffer the consequences too. If someone else decides to sin against God, that's going to hurt me. That's that person's choice. And I suffer the consequences, sure. But that's the choice. God is never going to supersede a person's choice. What is your choice? Who are you choosing? Who are you willing to offend, to follow God. Because the word of God is offensive. One more. Let's go to James chapter 4, verse 4. 
You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. We have a choice. It can't be much clearer than that. We have a choice, either to follow God or to go our own way. It's our choice. For God so loved the world that He created us. For God so loved the world, He pursues us. For God so loved the world, He gives us a choice. And for God so loved the world, He provides a way back to Him. That's what Christmas is really all about. It is the birth of the Messiah, the chosen one, the God, God's own son. Where he lived and he died and rose again. Now, why am I bringing Christ's death and resurrection to this? That's Easter talk. Without Easter, there is no Christmas. Without the death and resurrection, this is just another baby born in sin and died in sin. You have to have Christmas. You have to have Easter for Christmas to have any meaning. And you have to have Christmas for Easter. God shows us a way. He brought a son to us. He brought a son. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to chapter 2, verse 23, it's one of the accounts of Jesus' birth. And it's a miraculous thing. He's born of a virgin girl. 16 about. That's what we figure she was. Mary was 16. But why did he choose Mary? Because Mary loved God and was willing for, to be used by God. Joseph had a wonderful role of being the protector and the father of the Messiah, the earthly father. God makes a way for us to come back to him because we can't do it. Remember, that's what the law was all about for us to understand that we can never on our own be righteous enough for God. It is by faith that we believe in God. We are considered righteous before God and faith in his son Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's why Jesus had to come and that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating his birth. We're also celebrating his life. And in some way, too, we're celebrating his death and his resurrection because without that, Christmas means nothing. God makes a way for us to come to him. God so loved the world that he created you just the way you are. For God so loved the world that he pursues you. God wants you. He wants you to choose him. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to celebrate him as we do on our Sunday morning, but especially at this Christmas time. For God so loved the world that he showed us the way to him through his son, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one 
and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father and gracious God, Lord, we thank You for this day. We thank You that we can come and gather in Your house, Lord, and worship. And Father, we thank You so much for the love that You have for us. Thank you that you love us so much, that you created us with loving hands. You molded us together and you put us together. Father, thank you so much for how much care you have about us, how much love that you have for us. Father, help us to choose you. Help us to choose the way that you want us to go. Help us to choose your wisdom and your knowledge above anything else. Help us, Father, to continually to walk the way you want us to. Father, thank you that you chose to send your son Jesus to us so that we would have a way back to you, back into fellowship with you. Father, we thank you so much for that. And Father, as we gather around this Christmas season, as we have the anticipation of the presence under the tree and the meals and visiting, Father, help, you, help us to make sure that you are center of it all. In Jesus' precious name.